Praise God. Five ways to draw closer to God. Can you say amen? Book of Ruth. You know, every week, you know, I think I remember, you know, things I learned, you know, from Brother Adrian Rogers way back in seminary. And I, I go to look at the Scripture, and every week that I go to prepare a message from the book of Ruth, I think to myself, Carl, doesn't matter what you see with your eyes and what you think when you read the Scripture. Remember that it is true. The details are true that God gave us the book of Ruth, and it matches the plan from Ephesians chapter 1, right? The plan that was made by God for our salvation before the foundation of the world, right? And every week, every sermon I come up with, I keep seeing the plan now, you know? Now, here's what I want to warn you about. Once again, as I have already prayed, right? The grace of God and His mercy works in our lives, amen? I don't care what kind of life you're living, what kind of mess you're in, you can come to the Lord and the grace of God and the mercy of God will fall on you, amen? And you can find yourself realizing my name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And if that doesn't give you shouting material, you're twice dead and plucked up by the roots. All right? <laughs> you know, that's shouting material, right? Knowing that no matter what you're facing today, you're going to be with Jesus Christ forever. Amen? You're going to be with Jesus. Now, this point's going to be borne out in this message. But one of the things that has me so, you know, I don't know, energized. I don't know any word to, any other way to describe it. Energized. That's what I've been. I've been energized because I've spent my life as a Christian looking forward to the day that I can, um, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's like the song says, maybe all I'll do in front of Jesus is fall flat on my face. Amen. Maybe not see or, or be able to say a word, right? But I've always thought how wonderful it would be to be able to reach up and and touch the face of the one who did so much for me. Amen? I'm going to see him one day eye to eye. But the Holy Spirit has been pounding something into me. Why are you going to wait to see Christ eye to eye before and while you can still meet him heart to heart? Now. Now, not, you know, eye to eye in heaven when I finally stand before him, but to get to know him heart to heart before I ever see him face to face or eyeball to eyeball. Now, I've had people look at me and tell me, I, I don't know why you think like that. Well, you know what? I really, you know, don't. I started to say something that sounded sarcastic, but I really don't care what other people think about what I think that way. I'm just, it, it's because I'm grateful. I'm not trying to be sarcastic. I'm grateful that God's tampered with me, tinkered with me, and causes me to think like this, William. You know, because what it does is it helps put you in a position to get to know him more personally, right? And uh, I, I'm not a perfect man. I'm not, you know, you know. But I can do anything through Christ who strengthens me, right? I can get to know him this way because he wants to get to know me this way. He wants me to get to know him. That, are you following that with me? All right, now. So, we're in Ruth chapter 3. 
we're going to talk about five ways to draw closer to God that doesn't mean anything having to do with earning this position. It just has to do with things that we are supposed to do that God tells us to do that if we're obedient to him, it, it will cause us to move forward in that relationship. I can tell you that um, when I found myself in the worst condition of my life, I, I decided that all of these things are wrong with my life. We don't even have time to, to, to read the list or go over the list. I mean, and I'm the only one this life's ever been in a mess, right? I'm the only one, right? I'm not? Good. I, I, knew, I, I knew I wasn't. And, you, and you're in church. You need to be honest. Amen? <laughs> All right? I knew, because of my upbringing, what I needed to do was repent. You know? But things, so many things had gone wrong. And I was reaping what I had sown, just like the Word of God said you do, right? I was reaping what I had sown, and I wanted to stop the harvest. Well, I knew if I was going to stop the harvest, I couldn't do it the conventional way. I know that sounds silly, and it is silly because you can't stop the harvest. You can't, you know, you can't choose the consequences of your decisions, amen? Isn't that what we've learned? The consequences then, once you make a choice, the consequences choose you. You don't choose them. You don't get to choose, right? Well, I was in a mess. You know, things were going uh, bad, and, and uh, you know, it wasn't just affecting my life. It was affecting the lives of people around me. So I started trying to research other religions, and I got involved in the Church of Metaphysiology. Now, maybe you go, well, what does that mean? Well, let me tell you something. It means something very dangerous. The church of metaphysiology is a very dangerous place to venture off into, all right? And so um, what the whole thing was based on was this. There was this guy in charge of the church of metaphysiology in my city, and I went and sat down in front of him, and the guy that sent me to him said, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Whatever. If he tells you to mow the grass, mow the grass. If he tells you to go buy something and bring it to him, go buy something and bring it to him. Just do what he says. Now, how many of you understand the principle of what was taking place? What you obey, you will serve. What did Jesus say? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. No, what was he saying? I'm gonna, I'll read you a different scripture or, or later here that's going to really be an eye-opener for you. But what Jesus was saying was, if you love me, you'll do what I tell you to do. Every other religion in the world copies that. Every other religion in the world copies that, all right? And once you get into this obedience rut in the church of metaphysiology, getting out usually exacts a price, all right? Um, I was told what to do, and I went and did it, and I got an item, an object, I'm going to take back to this guy, and I had it with me. It was in my car, and um, uh, I had gone to church with my mother uh, that Sunday morning, my mother and my grandmother, and I'm at my grandmother's, and I'm having to make a decision. Am I going back to church with them tonight, or am I going to obey Am I going to take this item back to this guy that I'm supposed to take back to him? You say, what's the item? doesn't matter. It was the item he asked me to buy, all right? That's not, that's not the point. The point was I bought the item, but I hadn't taken it back to him yet. And I told my mother, I said, Mama, I, I really enjoyed church this morning, and I did. I enjoyed it. 
I was at a crossroads. I got to make a decision. Am I going back to the church and the Bible that I was raised on? Or am I going to go to the church of metaphysiology and sell out to it, right? Well, my mother, she didn't say a word. She got up and she went to the back of the house. And I went to the living room and I laid down. And it was the very first time I, I think I've ever really had the Holy Spirit just drop something on me so strong. I've never heard an audible voice, but it might as well have been. You understand what I'm saying? It said, all the voice said was, don't go back there. So I rose up, because when you hear that voice, it's different than your mother's voice. It's different than your grandmother's voice. It's different than the principal. <laughs> you know, in the office, you understand what I'm saying? People can tell you, don't do this, don't do that, don't go there, don't go. But when you hear the Holy Spirit, you don't want to say, arm wrestle me for it. <laughs> you, you don't want to do that, right? You don't want to do that with the Holy Spirit. I just said, okay, what? What did I do? I obeyed the voice. I got up. My mother was coming out of the bedroom because she told me later. She said, all I knew was God told me to go in back room, pray in the Spirit, and he'd tell me when to stop. It didn't take long. Mom said, he said, okay, it's done. She gets up, comes out of the bedroom door. I'm coming up the hallway. I said, Mom, I've changed my mind. I'm not going to this other church. I'm coming with you. And that was the beginning for me. That was the beginning of the man you see standing here today, right? All right, so we're going to look at the Word today, all right? As believers, how many of you know we should desire a closer relationship with the Lord. If you're lacking that, you're missing something in, in the works, all right? Pray about that and let God restore that to you, all right? Because it should be a part of every child of God's life, this yearning, this desire to get to know him better. Now, yeah, maybe you haven't done in the past because you've been afraid of what God would require of you. Well, maybe that's not without just cause because he's going to make requirements of you. Amen? All right, now, so Ruth, a Moabite, and a Gentile pagan is brought to faith in the Lord and has a redeemer named Boaz whom she marries. We've already covered it. What a beautiful story, amen? Boaz from Bethlehem pictures the Lord Jesus Christ. Ruth and Boaz are a true illustration of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ruth chapter 3 tells of a very close and intimate relationship between Ruth and Boaz or the church and the Lord Jesus Christ. Ruth chapter 3. Turn there in your Bibles. You've got to lay eyes on this with me. Ruth chapter 3. We're going to begin with verse 1. We're going to read through verse 5 to start with. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative with whose young women you were? See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash, therefore, and anoint yourself, and put on your cloak, and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. And she replied, you, you know, you read words and you don't understand the dynamics of them really sometimes. And she said, all that you say I will do. She didn't go, well, um, mm, no, all that you say I will do. That was her answer. Listen to me, folks. Christianity is not a code. It's not a cause. It's not a creed. It's not a conduct. It is Christ. 
Christianity is Christ. And if you want to be a good Christian, get to know Christ better. Amen? Get closer. You know, I wrote this note. Every child of God wants more than redemption. We want, or we should want, a relationship with our Lord. It, it's so one-sided when it's just about you getting saved and going to heaven, you know? What, and, and there are a lot of people that get saved, and, and you know, uh, they don't have anybody in their life to encourage them to go deeper or to press in or to do it differently. Amen? But you've got a pastor that likes to do that, all right? We desire more than gifts. We want the giver, Jesus Christ, to be real to us. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, this is Paul writing. In Philippians 3, verse 10, he says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Now, by this time, if you study, you know, uh, Philippians, you know that Paul's already closer to Jesus Christ than, you know, many people will be in their lifetime. Many, 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 many people. But he wanted to be closer that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And you look at the life of Paul and you know his prayer got answered. It was a real request and God met it in a very real way. Paul already knew him intellectually and spiritually, but he wanted to know more about the Lord Jesus. We don't want to just know about Jesus. We want him to be real in our lives, or we should. Amen? When we see him face to face, we want to have already known him heart to heart. Naomi's advice to Ruth shows us five ways to draw closer to Jesus. I was tempted, I was tempted not to do this because there are people who will mistake what I'm about to say with requirements for salvation. They are not requirements for salvation, but they are requirements for going deeper. All right? Don't mistake what I'm about to tell you as being legalistic. Not. It's things that you can do to position yourself. Amen? How many of you want to receive more knowledge about Jesus, more intimate knowledge about Jesus? More than, all right, let's go. All right, here's the first point. Be freshly cleansed. I'm going to explain that to you. Be freshly cleansed. What did Naomi say in verse 3, Wash, therefore, and anoint yourself, and put on your cloak, and go down to the threshing floor, but do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. We must be clean if we are to draw near to the Lord. We must be clean. You know, look, look, your effort doesn't mean that you're buying something from God or you're purchasing something from God or you're forcing God's hand. No, it's just positioning yourself in the proper way to be in the right place, the right position to receive from, receive from God. All right, James chapter 4, verse 8 says, draw near to God. Is that not what we're talking about? James 4, 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands you sinners and purify your hearts you double-minded you know what uh this is the the best thing i can remind you of if i say that there's certain things going on in your life and i don't know everything going on in your life but i know people pretty well i'm i imagine in a room this size we represent a pretty good wide spectrum of those kinds of things right 
So if I say repent, most people, human nature jumps on, yeah, I ask God to forgive me every day. That's not what repentance is. If you think that repentance is saying I'm sorry over and over and over and over again, you're mistaken. And that's why you're on the merry-go-round. And it don't want to stop. And you don't seem to win or have victory. Repentance is, yes, yes, you're mournful. You're regretful. You're, you're asked for forgiveness, yes. But you really work hard with God's help to stop doing what you're doing wrong. That's true repentance. You turn around and go in a different direction. Now, I can't drill that into you hard enough today. The Holy Spirit can, and I believe he will. Look, look. You may say, I, you just don't know, Pastor. I've been fighting this thing in my life for many, many, many years. Thank God you're in the fight. Amen? Stick with God. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You need to keep fighting. Amen? You need to keep resisting. And you know what it means in Hebrews where it says resisting unto blood? It means it resists till it hurts. Amen? That's going to leave a mark. <laughs> this kind of thing. You, 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 are you with me on that? James chapter 4, verse 8 says, Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. We cannot worship God. Listen to this. Listen, there is a long list of things that will hinder your prayers. And, 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 and it can hurt real bad because when you really need God to do something, and all of a sudden, you know, all this junk in the trunk, all this junk in, in right there with you that you're dragging with you, right? And all of a sudden, you're facing a very, very serious need, and you don't need your prayers to be hindered. You hearing me? You know, you don't need your prayers to be hindered. We cannot worship with dirty hands, a defiled heart, and double minds. Now, because of grace and mercy, you can still pray in the name of Jesus, and things can and will happen. Amen? But isn't it better, though, when by design, on purpose, you have pressed in and you have positioned yourself with God and there's no doubt, there's no fear, there's no unbelief, there's nothing there to hinder your prayers and your faith can rise up quickly, amen, and you see answers to your prayer. Isn't that a better way? Isn't that a better way, right? Reason why I will hug Ruth and kiss her before a service and get a chance to talk to her. You know what always is? I tell her, honey, you know I love you. Forgive me for anything I've said or done. If I've offended you or I've hurt you or harmed you in any way, will. And she knows how important it is to me for her to forgive me. Why? Because if I have misused or abused my relationship with Ruth, it will hinder the anointing of God in my life. I love God. I love her. She loves God. She loves me. So she forgives me. And she prays for me, right? Look, if we're heading in a good direction and we've obeyed God and I'm your pastor, these are the things that God will prosper. Doing it right, amen? 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Many complain that their prayer life is fruitless and their prayers go unanswered. It's because there's too much garbage in the way. Can you say amen? We're going to do a Jericho march here in a few minutes if you don't liven up a little bit. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is what I call from the old school, this is shouting material. All right. 
Isaiah chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. I really like the way Nathan's been bringing these scriptures up. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you, even though you make many prayers. I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes, and cease to do evil. Best, best example of, of repentance I could read to you. Amen? There has to come a time when you're not just all the time just, just, I'm, I thank God for grace because I'm just going to keep messing up. Yes, but no. You understand what I'm saying? Grace is going to work, amen? But do you want to remain shallow all your life? Do you want to remain buried all your life? Do you, wanna, do, you, do you want to remain in a position where you're not growing? You're not seeing? Look, look. How many people uh, have come to me over the years and said, you know, uh, you know, I prayed for the Holy Ghost many times, many times, and nothing ever happened. I'm not mad. I'm not upset. I'm not saying anything bad about you. I'm just saying, look, sometimes we've got to check the meter. We've got to check the gauge. You know what I'm saying? We've got to check the trunk. got to check the garbage can. got to check. You understand what I'm saying? We've got to take a good look at our lives. It doesn't mean that you can earn the baptism in the Holy Ghost. It just means that you can help to move the obstacles out of the way. See? Grace is grace. Grace is never going to change, right? God's going to love us on. He's going to love us on because there's nothing hindering God's love. It's not coming from up there down here that's the problem. It's coming from down here up there that's the problem. All right? Are you with me? All right, listen to this. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean. Verse 16 of Isaiah chapter 1. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, and remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Now listen to me. See if you can grasp this. Here's the note I wrote. This is not referring to yesterday's bath. <laughs> Or the day before, that's a bath. It's fresh. It's, for, it's today's bath that's talking about right now, you know. Um, I love that commercial on TV about that movie where the dog, and the dog's with his owner, and he meets his owner's future wife. He said, for all I know, she bathes every day, <laughs> right? The dog's talking about her. For all I know, she bathes every day. Well, you ought to know there ain't nothing wrong with bathing every day. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> that's all I'm going to say about that, <laughs> right? All right, the Word of God, listen to this now. This is not referring to yesterday's bath. Be freshly cleansed. Well, say, Brother Dennis, how would you like for me to spell it out for you how we get that done? Because you'd be shocked how many people don't know how to get that done, you know? And what, what does your pastor do? I always go to the Word. All right, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 and 26. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the what? With the word. Amen? With the word. The word of God is to our spirit what wash is to our body. Got to feed yourself the word of God. I mean... You know, I, I kind of feel sorry for you sometimes because I, I must sound like a broken record to you. What, what do I thank God for in our lives? That we're people of prayer, we're people of the Word, amen, and that we love each other, right? If we're people of prayer, that means that we have faith in God. We're talking to Him. You must know He's there, right? Why do you talk to a God that isn't there, right? 
so if we pray, we're exercising faith that he's there and he hears us when we pray, right? And we're people of the word. We pray over that word and we ask God to feed it to us, put it in us, make it real to us, make it life to us, right? That makes it life-changing. And I just know this. If we don't love one another, we're not doing it right. I just know that. I pray God love everyone that I come across through Christ. Let Christ love them through me. Teach me how that works. Show me that, right? Because if I can pick one person I don't love, I'm damaged goods. And my prayers are hindered. Amen? All right. Psalm 119, verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. I should have capitalized the while on your word. It's his. Amen? His word. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. Listen to this. How many times have I told you that we're going to end up with people coming to the church? Some of them are going to come from prison, right? And then you've got other people. And listen, all I've got to do, I've learned this the hard way. All I've got to do is talk about what the Word of God calls sin, and I offend people. I offend them. I can live with it, you know. I mean, the Word of God offends people. Amen? You know, um, I most recently brought up a subject very unpopular, and there were people... You know, who thought, well, you know, you know, you, you, you bring that up, you offend people. Well, guess what? What do I like to do? Let's say I have someone come through the door. I don't care how liberal they are, whatever. They sit down. I love them. They're here, right? God brought them here. This is a hospital, right? This is the inn. And the innkeeper is the Holy Ghost, amen? And I'm the pastor here at the inn. So what do I need them to do? If I look at a person, I say, it's some guy sitting there, and I'm, I'm just going to say this, all right? I mean, get, you know, get girded up, get ready, right? Now, say the guy sits there, and he proclaims, I'm homosexual, I love God, God loves me, and what they're trying to do is say that God condones their sin, right? Now, I can say all day long, that's not right. You know, that's not God, whatever. But if they open up the Bible, why? Because if you read the Bible... The Bible will read you. Do you understand what I'm saying? You expose yourself to the word. Is it better for that person to hear me say homosexuality is, not, is very unwise, it's sin, it's God does not love your sin, right? But if they read in the Bible, which is plainer than any person can be, there is no place in heaven for that sin, for the sin of homosexuality. Did I write that? No, I didn't write that. You can be as mad at me, anybody listening on, on the podcast can be as angry with me as you want to be, you know. Doesn't change a thing about how God feels about sin. But he loved people so much, he sent his only son to die on the cross for them. And just like God teaches us, we're going to love those people. Amen? We're not going to love their sin, but we're going to love people. That's what we're going to do. Good, bad, and indifferent. Don't matter how many tattoos they're wearing or doesn't matter. We're going to love them through the eyes of Christ. Amen? All right. Don't, don't know why I got off on all that. But, but I do. The Bible reveals sin. Not only do we read the Bible, the Bible reads us. The re- Bible reveals the solution to our sin along with the revelation of our sin. Right? He doesn't just leave us hanging out there. Amen? By the blood of Jesus Christ. Doesn't matter whether you've been in church all your life or you're that guy who just walked in that I just described. Doesn't matter. It's by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? 1 John chapter 1, verses 7 through 9. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. 
If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we confess our sins, we name them specifically and agree with God about our sins. You know, you can talk to God about your sins. I mean, you can talk to him and he will help you. Amen? When we confess our sins, we name them specifically and agree with God about our sins. When God cleanses us, what he calls clean, no man can call unclean. I just read you some good news. It's more unused shouting material. <laughs> you know I love you? Wow. <laughs> All right. Next point. Be fragrantly consecrated. Fragrantly consecrated. Ruth chapter 3, verse 3 again. Wash therefore and anoint yourself. That's, that's, a, that's a preparation thing. And put on your cloak and go down to the threshing floor, but do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. You know, you say, All right, so she anointed herself. You know, she's a woman. We know that. She's a beautiful woman. We know that. We know that Boaz saw her, and he, he knew she was beautiful. You know, he recognized the good things that she did in her life with, for Naomi and how she, how she gave up the pagan world, gave up her family, and, and, and came to Israel with Naomi. She clung to Naomi. She would not quit. She wouldn't give up, right? Now, now Naomi is coaching her and telling her how to get closer to Boaz. Now, I don't know the significance of this, but some of you may. So I'm going to put it to you in words like this. There are two things that the priests of the Old Testament and brides had in common, or one thing that the priests in the Old Testament and brides had in common before they got married. They both were anointed. That, there's somehow, there's something very, very special about that the priests and brides to be were anointed to do what they were going to do one one was going to minister be a minister of god to the people the other one's going to get married right and i just believe there's something special about that in old testament times bride and priests were anointed the anointing of a priest a man of consecration a setting aside in the song of solomon 4 verse 14 Nard and saffron, calamus and cinnamon with all trees of frankincense, myrrh and aloes with all choice spices. Now, the fragrance speaks of love and intimacy. And, and, and before I read that next note, think about this with me. I, I don't know, you can think or whatever you want to think about this, but man, I'm your pastor and, and I'll tell you things. I think, I, I mean, are there women in this room that like perfume? Yeah, yeah. Hey, and, and guess what? You know, and then some women don't and don't wear it. That's fine. It's not, I'm not talking about it as a spiritual thing. I'm just talking about it. It's pleasant. A fragrance, a nice fragrance is pleasant, usually associated with women, and it's a thing of beauty. That's what I'll say, right? All right, listen to me, and I'll get back to why I pointed that out. So be fragrantly consecrated. Our anointing, in the New Testament, is the Holy Spirit. You know, you want to be more like Christ? 
want to look like Christ, want to act like Christ, want to smell like Christ, get more of the Holy Ghost in you. I'm talking about spiritually speaking. Do you understand what I'm saying? Are you with me? Our anointing is the Holy Spirit. If we want to draw near to God, then we must be surrendered to the Holy Spirit of God so that he can make us a sweet-smelling savor that our lives will be like incense to him. The more of the Holy Spirit that's operating in our lives, the more pleasant to God we will be. Does that make sense? All right. All right, next point. Be fitly clothed. Be fitly clothed. Ruth 3 and 3. Wash therefore and anoint yourself and put on your cloak and go down to the threshing floor, but do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. How many of you realize Ruth was a widow and she wore the clothes of a mourning widow, one who mourns. It was clothing that was specific to a woman who had lost her husband. And now, really, in reality, <clears throat> many widows were hopeless. Many widows didn't have family, didn't have a way or a means to have their needs met. So they wore the clothes of mourning of a widow so that people might have mercy or even pity on them and help them. Does that make sense? All right. Ruth has been a widow and is wearing a widow's garment. She has also been gleaning in the fields, and her clothes are dusty and dirty. Right? She's been working, right? All right, Naomi advised Ruth to wear her best, to dress up. In essence, to put off the garments of mourning. Naomi's advice must have been wonderful news for Ruth, just as the gospel is good news to us. Amen? Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 3. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has, what? Anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who, what? Mourn. To grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness. I love that phrase. Oaks of righteousness. Oak is a sturdy wood. Amen? And, and look, I grew up in the south where oak trees grow, right? And if you've ever had lightning strike an oak tree, and it'd be over 100 years old, and lightning strike an oak tree, and it dies, and you've got to cut it down because it's dangerous. And let me tell you something. The work just begun when you get to that stump. <laughs> because it has a root system that is as deep and full as the tree above ground was. So if you're going to go after that stump, baby, you better pack a lunch and start early. <laughs> Amen? All right? Are you, are you following with me? All right. Praise God. All right. So, we need to trade. Oh, Isaiah 61.10. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in my God. Listen to this. This is one of those things about trading mourning for gladness, right? We need to trade the groans of our prayers and put in some hallelujahs. That's why I wanted to try to do that song this morning, which I apologize for. <laughs> but, hey, we need to put some hallelujahs in no matter how bad I sing. You know what I'm saying? There's got to be some hallelujahs in there. Amen? Not just the groans and the moans, you know. 
of how, how hard it is and what we're facing. And, and you know what? Those prayers, that, with those groans, sometimes there's nothing wrong with groaning before the Lord. He hears that. Amen? But if the groan is in placement of you declaring how scared you are and how you lack trust in Father, you need to replace the groans with the hallelujahs. Can you say amen? No extra charge for that one. All right. Okay. Psalm 100, verse 2. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. So we put on the garments of praise and the garments of salvation. All right. Here is another point. Be fully committed. Be fully committed. Verse 3 and 4 now of Ruth chapter 3. Wash therefore and anoint yourself and put on your cloak and go down to the threshing floor, but do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies, then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. Ruth was to place herself at the feet of her Redeemer. I I can't think of a better place for you to be, child of God, than at the feet of Jesus. That, that, that's the place to be, just at the feet of Jesus, right? Uh, to, where, to where if it were anybody else, you'd be in the way. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? But it's Jesus. And there's room at the feet of Jesus for every single solitary one of us. Can you say amen? I like that. I like that. Ruth placing herself at the feet of Boaz was a sign of, of full commitment. You know, she really didn't know Boaz all that well. You know? I mean, he'd be, he'd be almost like a stranger to her, for one, for the fact that they were related through her marriage to Naomi's son. See what I'm saying? And yet, she's going to go lay at his feet. So, like I said, this is Ruth's way of telling Boaz that she was willing to take him as her redeemer husband. This passage should not be interpreted in the light of modern-day America. Sounds weird, doesn't it? There's nothing wrong or unseemly about what Ruth did when she laid down at the feet of her kinsman redeemer. This was not done in secret. There were other people on the threshing floor, including entire families. Ruth is placing herself under his protection. The very move was her full commitment. She's selling out. Everybody's going to know. She's making the process public. Amen? All right? Ruth chapter 3, verse 9. He said, Who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. The word for skirts translated wings in an earlier chapter where Ruth came under the wings of Jehovah. And I like referring to that because a lot of that's King James Version. And like I said, I cut my teeth on the King James Version. We cannot have an intimate relationship with Jesus unless we are fully committed to him. We need to be like Ruth. We need to do things that publicly declare our full-blown commitment. We're sold out. We're going, we're going all the way. Amen? All right, last point. Be faithfully compliant. So, be freshly cleansed, be fragrantly consecrated, be fitly clothed, be fully committed, and be faithfully compliant. Verse 
4 and 5. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies, then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. And she replied, all that you say I will do. Ruth is compliant. She's ready to obey. And I'm telling you, and there's nothing like an act of obedience to really lock in. I mean, to really lock into something right, wrong, or indifferent, right? You can, you can obey the wrong thing and give it control of your life. And you need to be aware of that. Amen? We need to be aware of that. Ruth is compliant. She's ready to obey. She's ready not only to be a hearer of the word, but she's ready to be a doer of the word. Amen? That's the obedience part. Obedience is necessary to having an intimate walk with Christ. John chapter 7, verse 17. If anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I am speaking on my own authority. Jesus was warning people. You've got to get to know me to know whether or not I'm speaking on my own authority or am I speaking on his authority. Got to get to know him. Can't be a stranger. Amen? When we surrender to the will of God, he will teach us. We should not say, Lord, show me your will and I'll decide whether or not I'll do it. We should say, Lord, I'll do it. What is it? You know, Lord, I'll do it. Okay, just tell me what it is. No, no. Other people just say, God, you know, well, what is it you want me to do? So they can think about it, mull it over, you know. Be like the rich young ruler. He went away sad because he had great possessions. He did not obey Christ. When if you read the scriptures on about that, you find out that had he done exactly what Jesus had told, told him to do, he'd have never lacked for anything for the rest of his life or on into eternity. Can you say amen? All right. Watch this with me. John chapter 14, verse 21. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. That, just, that scripture just tells you everything I said this morning. You know, there were so many people walking around, and they say, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry for more of God. And so you say, okay, have you looked at your life lately? Are you able to answer the questions about your life that we talked about this morning? You know, don't, and, and if you can't say, yeah, I've looked at my life and me and God are on it, right? Well, then you're moving in the direction, right? You're moving in the right direction. But if you keep complaining about being hungry and you don't do anything about it, guess what? You're just going to stay hungry. And you're never going to be satisfied, right? Now, look, this, this is, a, man, what, this is one of the greatest texts in the Bible about knowing Jesus intimately. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So that's one of the greatest texts in the Bible about knowing Jesus intimately. This shows full compliance. Listen to me now, because we love our Bible studies, and there's nothing wrong with that. We're supposed to love our Bible studies and our time together in the Word. Amen? But the Bible gives us knowledge about God obedience gives us knowledge of God. Think about that. Hey, we can show up and get stars on our forehead for attendance. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, hey, you know, and look, I'm, I've sounded guilty of this. It's not my goal. It wasn't what I was after. But I've said, hey, you know, we had 12 Bible study, you know. And that's a good sign. You gauge you read. We had 10, 12, whatever showed up. 
a Bible study, right? But Bible study alone ain't going to do it for you. Amen? Bible study alone will not help us know God. Bible study gives us knowledge about God. Obedience gives us knowledge of God. We need knowledge of God. We need it. We need knowledge of God. Amen? Luke chapter 6, verse 46. Listen to me. Before, before I read this, before we go into this, what's, what does John 3.16 say? For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Do you know you can ask people in a baseball or football stadium in America and if they will quote that Scripture to you, and you can hear them loud. They know John 3.16. John 3.16 is one of the most important Scriptures to the world that you can give the world. But to the family of God, to the children of God, Luke chapter 6, verse 46, should be just as important to the children of God. What Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? How much plainer can it get than that? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you to do? Doesn't get any plainer, right? All right, end of the conclusion of this message because we've hit you with the hammers. I know that. I love you so much. And, but we need hammers once in a while, right? We need the shell cracked. We need to open up the casing a little bit, and we need to go inside. Amen? All right, look, look at Ruth chapter 3, or Luke chapter 3, verse 8 through 10. At midnight, the man was startled and turned over, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. Please forgive me. It's so hard for me to read this story and not see the hand of Christ. And, and it grips me every time. He said, who are you? And she answered, I'm Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. And he said, may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first in that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. So the first takeaway in this message is, when she obeyed Naomi, she did what she was told, right? What did Boaz do? He received her. He received her. He didn't call her crazy. He didn't say, what are you doing, woman? Get out of here. He, no, no. He received her, right? And he blessed her. Isn't that what it says at midnight? He said, who are you? And she, and she answered, I'm Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. And he said... May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first in that you have, gone, you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. So he blessed her. I say again, the most blessed place on earth is at the feet of Jesus. The most blessed place is at the feet of Jesus. Amen? Second takeaway, Ruth chapter 3, verses 11 through 13. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. For all my fellow kin or townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. And a worthy woman, you know, she's a Moabite. She's under a curse. She's a loser. Her husband's dead. She is a pagan, you know. I mean, she's about to get in line to be Jesse's uh, grandmother. And Jesse's boy was David. And all that's in the physical line of Christ. A pagan Gentile woman acting in faith and obedience to God moved right into that lineage. What did I tell you before? 
Make the big choices in life, and it takes care of a lot of little ones. Her big choice to stay with Naomi not only affected her, but it affected everybody in this room today. Right? There had to be a line of Christ, and she was in it. Amen? All right. So the second thing he did for her, first of all, he received her. The second thing he did was he reassured her, didn't he? He reassured her. Verse 11, And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. For all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman, and now it is true that I am a redeemer. What if he said, no, no, I don't think so, no, you know? What if he rejected her, you know? But he didn't. And now it is true that I am a redeemer, yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight and in the morning. If he will redeem you, good, let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until morning. So he, speak, he spoke peace to her. Ruth knew then. What did she know? Let me tell you what she knew. I can't prove this to you. I can't prove it. I'm, but maybe I can. If you take the words I'm about to share with you by faith, what is it that touches a person first? You know, if you get someone to pray with you and they accept Jesus as their Savior, what's the very first thing they feel from Jesus? What do they feel? Love. If they didn't feel that love, they wouldn't stay. Do you understand what I'm saying? Boaz loved Ruth from that moment forward. He loved her. He was doing all of the things towards her in her direction that a man who loves a woman should do. Pay attention, men. Amen? Pay attention. He spoke peace to her. Ruth knew that he loved her. Boaz took the initiative and loved Ruth before she loved him. First John chapter 4, verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. It is God's perfect love for us that casts out fear. Next, final point. He replenished her. He replenished her. He received her. He reassured her. He replenished her. All things that Jesus does for us. Amen? When we come to him. Amen? Amen? Thank you. Don't weave and bob on me now. All right. Ruth chapter 3, verse 18. She replied, Wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. And Boaz loaded her down with provisions and with grain. Psalm 68, verse 19. Blessed be the Lord who daily bears us up. God is our salvation. First John, or Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly, then all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. Ruth 3.18, she replied, Wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. Naomi advised Ruth to be still. She had done her part. Boaz would not rest until the thing was finished. Amen? Ruth's responsibility was her response to his ability. Jesus, our heavenly Boaz, has finished the work of our salvation. In John chapter 9, verse 4, we must work the works of him who sent me. While it is day, night is coming when no one can work. He will not rest until he has finished the thing. 
And he did it. We get to look at that, how he went about doing that next week. Isn't that good? This good word. Amen? So do you understand that grace is still grace? Mercy is still mercy. And you can't earn squat from God. You can't be good enough. Can't, but there are efforts you can take through obedience that destroys those things that are blocking. Amen? That are keeping you from those precious, holy places where God is. Amen? Where you can meet him, where he can touch you. You know, look, look, why do I feel compelled? Why, why am I driven to... This is different preaching. I think it's different preaching, you know, than you hear in a lot of places. I do not tickle your ears. I'm not here to tickle your ears. Amen? I'm here to tell you that sin, sin, grace is grace. The power of God is the power of God. The love of God is the love of God. Amen? And we can do things that are conducive to stepping in the center of that. Amen? That's all I'm saying. Listen, what are we saying when we allow certain things that have had a grip on our lives for a long time remain? What are we saying? We're saying that that is more powerful than the Word of God. We're saying that that thing is more fun, you know, than the presence of God in our lives. Or that is more fulfilling. Or, and all of those things that are lies, they're all lies, right? And, and look, look, we don't, we're not rich people that we can barter with God. And we, you know, we could never be rich enough to barter with God. God says, you can still barter with me. I'll take that. And he points at that, and you go, what in the world do you want with that, God? <laughs> it's not shiny. It's not precious. It's not whatever. But it must be precious to you or me if we hang on to it the way we do. All I can tell you is that the older I get, the older I get, you know, the more I appreciate my age. The world has less of a grip. And with the world having less of a grip, God's got more. God's always had more. We're just not letting him wrap it up fully for us. What is the difference maker for us? What's it going to be? It's going to be prayer. It's got to be. No, it's prayer and the word. Amen? It's prayer and the word. Nothing else is going to work. Nothing else is going to complete this process for us. Amen? So do you understand? Are you starting to get a grasp after a couple of months of us being together, Ruthie and I pastoring this church, that we intend for you to have available to you God's best. Not, not shallow, not superficial. No, no. Our prayer for you. My wife, even this morning, just before I left the house, we talked again and prayed again, and she was at the top of the stairs, and I was at the bottom, and the prayer still worked. Amen? The prayers took. Amen? We prayed again before I left the house. She was upstairs. I was downstairs. I'm looking up at her. She's looking down at me, and we're talking to God. Amen? And what is it about? What God wants to do in your life today. Amen? So look, please allow me. You can't stop me. I'm not going to stop praying for you. Amen? So rise to your feet. Rise to your feet. Let me pray for you. Let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' mighty name, I want to thank you for what your word today is encouraging us to do. Lord, I, I, I know it, in this lifetime we can draw closer and closer and closer and closer to you. 
and still never reach the center. And it's something that we can, we can have your Holy Ghost working on in our lives as long as there's breath in our bodies. And we can just keep drawing deeper and deeper and closer and closer, knowing more of your will, knowing more of your glory in our lives. And that glory manifests in our lives is a blessing to all those around us in the world that sees and becomes hungry for you and your things, Father, and your way of doing things and your way of living our lives. Now, Father, once again, I just have to reach out to you and thank you, Lord, for forgiving us once again, afresh and anew washing and cleansing of the shed blood of Jesus Christ in our lives. Father, we're breathing in this place. There's no ambulance on the way. No one's down on the floor. No one stopped breathing. No one stopped being. And Father, so we know that we're alive. And we're alive in you. We thank you, Jesus Christ, right now for by the power of your Spirit cleansing us afresh and anew. Help us just get on the right spiritual garments. Be the fragrance to us, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name that Father wants and desires. Father, I, I, I ask in Jesus' name that when we begin and when we move into areas of our lives where we're trading the sin for your hand of mercy, your hand of guidance, your anointing, Father, that we see, perceive, and understand that your joy is our strength and that your joy Manifest in our life and your glory manifest in our lives is so much greater than the pleasure of sin for a season or for a short period of time. It's not worth it. Lord, show us that when we just keep doing the things wrong that we do wrong and we just keep coming back to grace that that is not spiritually healthy, that it is downright dangerous and that we need to quit playing with those things. And that we need to take very seriously our spiritual growth in you and in your word. And Father, I see it. I see it happening in the lives of your people. And I'm so grateful. I am a humbled pastor. Father, you know that. You know my heart. But Lord, you let me see glimpses of what you're doing in the lives of your people. And it is so thrilling, Father. It's so exciting. Lord, as a body of believers, I know you want us to move forward together. Thank you for helping us to forsake sin. Thank you for teaching us about true repentance. Thank you for helping us live lives that are pleasing to you. Help us, Father, downright, flat, bottom line, just to do what you tell us to do without question and without reservation, only knowing that it's you that will help us to get it done. Now, Lord, I, I desire peace to rise up on the inside of your children because of what they've heard today knowing that you're the one planting the seed in their lives, knowing that you're the one that, that's drawing them in, and if we'll just obey, and we'll just follow your word, and we'll follow your guidelines. And, and Father, getting to know you heart to heart is so much in, more important than waiting to see Christ eye to eye. Heart to heart, that's what we want, Father. Lord, you're such a good God. We want to spend time thanking you sometimes, by saying nothing but thank you for being who you are but lord how difficult a challenge that is when it's been the relationship's been so one-sided you've poured out so much on us father and we are grateful children and once again we can thank you father that your spirit goes with us when we depart from this place but help us father to love one another and may we fellowship together before we leave this building in christ's name we pray and everybody said amen, amen. know your love amen in jesus name